I want to talk to you about the new series we're starting today. It's called You Ask For It. And what we thought about is we know that there is uh, subjects that you want the Bible to address. And so we're going to encourage some participation uh, over this series. I'm going to do two weeks on fear because all of us face fear. And while we're uh, studying what the Bible says about fear, you get an opportunity to participate. So if you have a phone, you can participate actually right now. They're going to put a slide up there and you can text 239-237-3351. And then you're going to put in you as a s k e d for the number and it and it's going to give you the four options the first option is flesh versus spirit second option is identity in christ third is forgiveness and then there's that other and if you vote for for other you type in whatever subject you want we've already had several creative thoughts about what they want the bible to say uh, addressing some of the uh, issues on uh, going on in our lives. So if you would, uh, make sure you participate. You can also participate, I believe, on our Facebook page. Uh, and it gives us an opportunity to investigate because what we're doing in this series that is different than any other that starts today is we're going to go a little bit deeper. And we're not just going to say some great things that fill in a great opportunity as a pastor to preach. We're not looking for preaching material. We want to know what the Bible really says about these subjects. Fear. And, and we're going to talk about, because sometimes I'm going to give you, uh, uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, steal my own thunder. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. But what in the world is perfect love? So I could, I could get to that point and say, perfect love, uh, you know, cast out all fear. Touch your neighbor and say, I got perfect love. And then you don't have any idea what the definition or even how to get perfect love. And you still stay afraid. You know, so we're going to go into the word of God today. And we're going to talk about the subject of fear and what the Bible says about fear. Because sometimes we excuse some things that the Bible says we should not do. And so I'm going to address that today. So I'm going to ask for your help. I'm going to ask for you to participate in the poll this week. But I'm also going to ask you to join me in prayer right now as we start this series. You asked for it on the subject of fear. Father, today I thank you for every moment that we have to walk into your presence. I thank you for the worship. I thank you for the worship in our giving that we may extend the power of the gospel past the walls of this building. But now, Father, I ask for the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts and our minds. Allow the authority of your word to go forth where it touches every single life beginning with my own. So, Father, change us today. That is our prayer. Change us. Let us be revealed what the topic of fear and how, how it is expressed in your word. And I give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you, Reed. And I want to say one more time before I get started that I know it kind of got lost in the applause for Pastor Don. But, you know, there were a lot of people like Pastor Alex that got children's ministry after uh, Pastor uh, Sam and Don um, turned it over to him and they moved to Tennessee. But we couldn't have what we have without, without those two wonderful people and without Pastor Alex. So would you once again give them thank you, Sam and Don, for 
um, allowing us to build on what you left. You know, all of us face fear. And it could be anything, you know, like uh, spiders, the dark, fear of failure, heights. There, uh, do you realize that, I'm going to even mention this next week, that there are 19 million people today that suffer from phobias? You know what, the definite, if you are one of them, let me give you uh, just some information. You know that the definition of a phobia is an irrational fear? That we know people that uh, live in Florida and they're afraid of sharks. And they never, ex- they go to the beach. They take all their stuff, the sunscreen, the towels, the tent, the coolers, the horseshoes, the grills. And they don't ever wade out past ankle-deep water. You can get wet in the hose, friend. (laughs) You know, be right there at your house. But if you're going to go to the beach, get in the water. Well, Pastor, I'm afraid of sharks. I'm going to give you some information. I know there's a lot of YouTube videos on sharks and how close they are to people. Here's the truth. They've always been there. If you have swim in waist-deep water at a southwest Florida beach, if you have waded out in the water, before the drones and everything could record, only the parasellers would see them. And they're like, holy smack, look at all the sharks down there. They don't want to eat you. You say, tell those people on Shark Week, you know. And, and so I, I told somebody the other day, I said, they didn't want to eat that person. They had mistaken identity. He said, well, I don't want them to mistake my identity. I stay in ankle-deep water. But literally, if you've been in waist-deep water, you have probably been in the water within five feet of a shark. And they didn't bite you. And there's other fears that debilitate people and paralyze them. And we're going to talk about what the Bible says about fear. And we're going to understand that the Bible literally comes into the subject of fear over 350 times. It addresses the subject of fear. And 70 of those 350 times, it just point blank tells you, do not be afraid. It actually commands you, do not be afraid. Let me give you one of those verses that are an example. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. That's Chronicles, uh, 2 Chronicles 32. There are 69 other scriptures that literally confront this subject of fear and tell you, do not be afraid. And I always, I've already kind of given away some of my thunder, but do you know that the Bible in 1 John chapter 4 gives you the cure for fear? And it says, perfect love cast out fear. Now say that to your neighbor. I got in trouble last week about touch your neighbor. My wife said, you're doing that too much. Just look at your neighbor and tell them. You know, so all of you afraid to touch your neighbor, this is the sermon for you today. So just look at them and say, perfect love cast out fear. Well, now we have to really deal with what the Bible defines as perfect love. Because if that is the cure for fear, then how do I acquire and what do I have to do to participate in this thing called perfect love? And 
the Bible, sometimes we use scriptures like that, especially preachers. You know, I am so enamored with people that have the gift to teach because, you know, when you have the gift to teach, you want to explain everything. But preachers, we just want the amen. <laughs> you know, so we just get on there and we go, and perfect love casts out fear. And I raise my voice and get you all excited. And sometimes you say amen and sometimes you clap. And then you go look at your wife or your husband and say, I don't know what perfect love is. I'm like, I guess I'm allowed to stay afraid. But what we really need to do when we're studying the Word of God, when it comes to one of those scriptures that talks about fear, we should read the chapter. See, in 1 John chapter 4, where that verse is always quoted about perfect love casts out fear, do you know it gives you the definition of perfect love? Let me, let me let you hear it. It starts in verse 13. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God... God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this love perfected with us so that we ha may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because he is so all as he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love but perfect love. Cast out fear. Somebody say amen. amen. You say, well, now we've read it and I still don't understand it. Here, let me help you. See, what God was saying is, is that the Holy Spirit inspired upon this writer to give some declarations like God is love. Well, what is God's love like? And he says, I sent you the Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, the part of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. And he said, I sent you the Holy Spirit. And you know what? The first thing that when we get blessed with the Holy Spirit is not that you receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is on earth? To testify of Christ. To reveal Christ to you. That means that you are sitting here today and maybe you're not saved. And do you know what? We hope that you experience these things during this worship service. We hope that during the songs that you felt a little uneasy. That's called conviction. And what the Holy Spirit is trying to deal with you about is convicting you that there's something missing in your life. And there's something that you just can't quite put your finger on. But there's a hole that just can't be filled with a lot of things. I've tried it. I, I'm one to bear witness with you, my friend. I, I tried it with drugs and alcohol and a bunch of other things that I can take a long time to explain. But there will be nothing that will fill that hole in your soul until Jesus. I literally partied with a hundred people a night and felt absolutely alone. Explain that. Because it wasn't until I really come into the knowledge of who Jesus was. And the Holy Spirit starts to reveal Christ in our need. That we are a sinner in need of a Savior. And, and all of a sudden, uh, a lot of times when people share their testimonies, that's where they end and begin. They say, you know what, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and I gave my heart to Jesus. And you forget to tell people who you are now. You're no longer a sinner. But now you have been brought into the family of God. And you are a son or a daughter of the Most High. Not because of your works or what you did, but because Jesus died for you. And that's what this scripture is telling us, is that God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross that you might receive life and that through your revelation, through the spirit, that you receive salvation. And that moment is where the Bible literally says, from that moment, God abides with you and you with him. And he says, you don't even have to fear judgment. 
I'm with you. See, that's the origin and the foundation of perfect love. You're never going to face a day from that moment on that you're not going to be, you're going to be alone. He, if he is faithful to his word, he said, I'll be with you all the time. You don't even have to fear judgment. And that's scary. Let me just talk about judgment for a minute. Do you know what the book says about judgment? Like that God knows every word and every thought you've ever had. Now, how would you like that on display? First of all, let's just talk about the words. I, I, I struggle with words sometimes. Bad words. Especially when people cut me off in traffic. I, I, and, and I wish that I only thought the bad words, but sometimes they go into my mind and out of my mouth. Anybody with me? Say amen. amen. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and I know that some of y'all have been saved from the womb and, and you've never done anything bad. You've never said a bad word. That's my wife. Yeah, I mean, I, I think she was born saved. You know, she really lived a, a very sheltered life and, and, and she is really, really good. But really, really good doesn't make you saved. And so, but, you know, maybe you're one of those that have been saved all your life and you've never had a bad thought, never said a bad word. But just think about this. Don't, let's don't talk about your entire life. Let's just talk about this last week. If I took you and put you up front here and on that screen come every thought or word you said this last week, how many of you would be afraid of that? Amen. Amen. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to raise both hands. Yeah. Because can you imagine what, what you go through and what we go through as pastors? Is that Sometimes you get 10 people say, that's the greatest message I've ever heard, Pastor. And you get that one person that sends you the email. And I know that you think that I'm in my office when that email shows up. And I go, God bless them. Help them. Strengthen them. But sometimes I have to pray for me. I have to say, God, forgive me. I wanted to punch that person in the mouth. And they hid behind an anonymous email and wouldn't even sign it. You know, and I'm struggling with that stuff, you know. And so I would be afraid to be in judgment. But you know what? The thing about judgment is that when you are in front of God the Father, or the Bible calls it at the white throne judgment, everything that's going to be said about you is going to be true. And he says, I don't even have to be afraid of that. Because I could just see this thing going, man. And, and I, I get excited when I think about all the things that happened when I got saved. Is that when I got saved, my sins were forgiven and I got renewed and I got transformed and I become a new creation in the sight of God. And I got a lawyer for free. Anybody ever had a lawsuit or a law case and you had to pay a lawyer? $350 an hour. I got one for free and he's the best. You know why? Because he knows the judge. Because I'm going to stand in front of judgment and every word and every thought that I've ever said is going to come up maybe on whatever it is. They're gonna, it's going to be known. And you know what? Everything that they say about me is going to be true. And the enemy is going to be going like this until my lawyer stands up and says everything that's ever been said that he's ever thought or ever done is absolutely true. But there was a moment in time where he got transformed and got saved and it's no longer now based on his ability or his behavior, but now it's based upon my righteousness and we made an exchange so he doesn't have to fear going to hell. He can have confidence and a faith that he's going to heaven because of me. And then I, uh, then I know what's going to happen, Matt. The Bible says it. 
the father is going to look at me and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And I'm going to skip and jump all the way in. I'm a, at that moment of transformation, I'm literally going to be able to dance. And I'm going to dance my way in. Because some of your testimony, I'm just barely getting in. I just hope I fall into heaven by grace. I'm dancing in, man. I didn't deserve to go there anyway. And if I can have confidence, so the whole statement of perfect love casts out fear is I don't, I'm never going to be alone again. Even at judgment, he's going to be with me. And that means that every fear, that everything that I have to face that will cause fear to come into my life tomorrow, he's going to be there with me. And that brings me a confidence because the Bible starts talking about people that were afraid at one time. Do you, you ever heard the name Joshua? Yeah, yeah, he was afraid. That's why God had to show up. And all of a sudden, you know, Joshua, the story, if, you, if you're not familiar with the story, Joshua's the guy that takes over for Moses. How would you like that job? Yeah. Well, man, I'm my own person. Hey, man, when you're following a guy that takes a stick and holds it over the Red Sea and the Red Sea divides, that's intimidating. And he has to pastor over a million people, and they're complainers. The Bible says that. How would you like to do that? They didn't even, he, Moses literally got water from a rock and bread fell from heaven, and they complained. We don't have enough meat. Dude, you used to be a slave in Egypt, <laughs> building stuff and, and, and being whipped by a taskmaster, and now you're complaining about the menu and you're free. How do you do that? I, that to me still boggles my mind. You watch as the Lord drowns the mightiest army in the world at the time, the Egyptian army, and you're afraid of a few people over in the promised land. And that's your, that's your congregation. And for 40 years, they've been wandering around trying to get this thing right. And finally, God says to, to Joshua, hey, it's your time. You're scared. You're intimidated. You've got a lot of responsibility. Leadership is weighty. And you're going to have to go and perform, man. And God shows up. And you know what he tells him the very first thing? I'm with you. Listen to how he, he describes himself. And he said, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over to the Jordan, you and all the people, and into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. <coughs> From the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the lands of the Hittites, to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you in all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. And I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers. So let's get something straight. Just because you've got a great calling doesn't mean you don't face fear. And just because you know how to pray doesn't mean you face, don't face fear. And by the way, courage doesn't mean the absence of fear. Courage means that you're aware that fear is present, but you do it anyway. That's what a lot of people need to hear and get free of right now. You're so afraid of the spider that you saw in the kitchen two days ago that you haven't been back. <laughs> Let me give you a prophetic word about spiders. You know what spiders are thinking? 
There's a giant that came in here. And if we're not careful, they're going to step on us. And we're scared of them. And they haven't come back in two days because they saw us and they thought we were ugly and going to bite them. Look mean when they show back up. (laughs) And so a lot of people are debilitated by fears. Anybody ever known anybody died from a spider bite? It hurts, but you live. I promise you I've been, I've stepped on more than have bit me. You ever, if you're afraid of the dark, you ever stood up one time and said, hey, whatever's in the dark, come on out, let's face each other. I have, I've done it. (laughs) Nothing showed up. (laughs) Most people are afraid of failure and that was Joshua. How am I going to do this? And God says, wait a minute, before you go another step, Just know this fact, because perfect love casts out fear. I'm with you. Just as I was with Moses, I'm with you. The Bible is perpetual. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever, just like God. It's not going to change. That means that it doesn't matter if it's 2019 or 2050 or 1819. The Bible is the Bible. Amen? Amen? And so what he was telling him is that the same God that was the God of Moses is going to be my God. And you know what? The same God of Joshua is, is Nikki's God and Casey's God. And he's the same God as for Ralph. And he doesn't change. Same God that was with the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul. The same one that went through all the stuff with them is now with us. Why are we afraid? And all of a sudden he says, the same God that was with Moses... I'm going to be with you. And do you know something that is, uh, here's a fact about fear, and it's the same fact that concerns faith. Either one are contagious. You ever notice that what you're afraid of, your kids are afraid of? Now, my wife is the greatest woman to ever live on the face of this planet, and she has had great courage by marrying a man like me. But my wife come from Virginia and was not aware of the, of the uh, climate of Southwest or of Florida, period. And we moved to Southwest Florida first and then moved over to Orlando and Central Florida. And you say, well, Pastor, what's that got to do about this sermon? Just let me preach it for just a few more minutes. Here it is. She never really heard of thunderstorms happening every 315 from June, July, and all of August. And associated with three of the five days that we have thunderstorms, there's this little alert that goes around the bottom of the TV that says tornado warning. And so she was at our apartment all by herself and all of a sudden, boop, tornado warning. She calls me and says, come home from work right now. There is a tornado warning. I said, oh, it happens every day. She said, no, you do not understand the little sound. Beep. And then the words come up, there's a tornado close by. I said, baby, it happens three out of the five days. You're going to be okay. If you hear something that sounds like a train, get in the floor. <laughs> Until then, you know, go swim. No, <laughs> with the sharks. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. That would make me fearful. (laughs) But do you know what? That both of my kids struggled with being afraid of the weather when they were really small. You realize that you're only born with two innate fears. One is the fear of falling and the other is loud noises. Everything else you've learned 
So if you're afraid of spiders, somebody taught you that. You weren't born with it. If you're afraid of snakes, the dark, heights, somebody taught you that. You did not inherit that from birth. You learned it. But do you realize in this text that the Bible tells you that faith and courage are just as contagious as fear? Did you, you know, God kind of throws a curve at Joshua because for 40 years Moses had been preaching. God's going to take us to the promised land. He promised it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God shows up with Joshua and changes the story just a little bit. I want you to look at verse 6 and I want them to put it up there on the, on the screen. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers and give them. I want you to take your time. Be strong and courageous for you. That's not big you. That's not capitalized you. That's little capital. That's little lowercase you. That means Joshua. He's saying to him, I want you to get hold of yourself, man. And if you ever come to the knowledge and have confidence that I am with you, then you can do anything. You can face any battle. You can face any tribe. You can face any army. You can face any obstacle because I'm with you. And if you let that turn into confidence and that confidence turn into faith, you can face the enemy. And the faith that you display will be the faith that will become so contagious you'll take the people over. Joshua comes up and shows up and says, hey, here's the thing, guys. God said we can go and inherit the land. We're going to have to fight a couple of battles. I know we don't have any military army. Don't worry about the military over there. I know they got big walls. You ever notice that God doesn't ever let you get just tiptoe into the water? He throws you in over your head. Like he didn't go say, go, go, go fight AI first and get some confidence and learn how to win. He said, no, go, go tackle Jericho, the big wall city that you don't have anything to break the walls down. Yeah, that's your first assignment. And he tells them, he says, hey, how do they go fight that? Just think about that. Amy, if you can get ready to play me something wherever you are. How, do, how does a, a leader go up and say, okay, guys, everybody put your hand in here. We're going to go tackle Jericho. Yeah, we don't have anything to break the walls down, and we don't have any weapons. They're gonna, they can shoot us with bows and arrows from the things. But what we're going to do is we're going to walk close enough to that wall that we're going we're gonna to walk around one time six days. And on the sixth day, we're going to walk around seven times. Or on the seventh day, we're going to walk around seven times. And then we're going to shout. They're like, okay. <laughs> you know how they got to do that? Faith. Because Joshua had come to them and said, God's with us, let's go. And the priest grabbed the Ark of the Covenant and started walking towards a flooded river. And you know what? God incredibly did not move that river. Because they believed God was with them. And if he had, they had to walk underwater, that God was going to be with them. And by the time that the priest got into a flooded river past the banks, up to their ankles, the sovereignty of an almighty God divided the Jordan River, and then they walked through on dry ground. And if God could do that, he can knock down some walls. Now, it's start, now faith is starting to get contagious. God's with us, man. Who's going to stand against us? But courage and faith, are not enough to sustain success. See, you can face your fears, you know. I tell the story, David, he gets mad at me all the time. and You know, he tells it now. He, he tells it a little different than me, you know. You know, I'm a guy that in my fathering of him and Joshua, I was determined to make them face their fears. Sometimes it was not a pretty picture. 
Sometimes my parenting probably shouldn't go in a magazine for parenting or anything like that. I probably should have eased them into it because we just got straight to the point a lot of the times. <laughs> I remember one time Joshua kept getting up in a tree stand and he was afraid to get down. And I'd have a father-son conversation with him about uh, heights and things like that and told him that he could sit down there, but I wasn't coming to get him anymore. If he got up in a tree, he was going to have to get down on his own. Now, David, I really didn't have that problem with. He'd crawl to the top of the thing. He wasn't ever afraid of heights. But, see, when Dad's on the scene, I can help, you, I could help them confront their fears, but that did not provide for them future success. They were going to have to face it on their own. And see, the Bible tells us that not only do we have to be strong and courageous... And that becomes contagious and other people start to have confidence. But the Bible says something different too. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all that the law of Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night. That means hide it in your head and in your heart so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you shall make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. See some people are chasing success without faith. And you can't keep success until you know what's in this book, it says. Because when you know what's in this book, you know where not to turn left and not to turn right, but stay according to this word. That's why so many people, you say, Pastor, I wish I could quote some scripture. You need to. Well, I can't, I, I'm not a good reader and all that. Get a tape, get a, get, download it on your phone, man. Get it in your heart. Because preachers get afraid too. But the difference is, is when fear starts to attack my mind and, and it starts to invade my heart. I look up and I say, you know what? The word of God says, be anxious for nothing. But with prayer and supplications, make your petition known. And then all of a sudden, another scripture pops up and says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And all of a sudden, I go over to Joshua and find out that, yes, I got some responsibilities that make me anxious sometimes, but he is with me. And everywhere that my foot should go, there he's going to be with me, and there I can face any enemy that shows itself. So how... Do we not put the Word of God in our lives to a place where we confront fear with it? Do we really believe in who He is? Here's the thing that I, I need you to understand. Is that God's with you all the time. I had to wait till after Amy sung in first service to do this. But you think God's with you when you're performing well. But the Word says He's with you all the time. Anybody ever been knocked out? Guys, say amen. They're brave souls. <laughs> They've told their wife they won every fight. <laughs> but if you get knocked out, you didn't win. So let me ask again, just so everybody can have a chance of being truthful. Anybody ever got knocked out or lost a fight? Say amen. Anybody ever got knocked down? Yeah. See, sometimes I have took it, taken strong, courageous steps and I've gotten prideful and found myself open to an attack from the enemy that knocked me flat on my face. 
And sometimes, we're, if we're not careful, we think God's in the stands looking at us going, I told you so. You should have read the book, Pride Comes Before a Fall. Now you find yourself, that's not where God was with me. See, I've been knocked flat. I might have to get undignified here. Anybody here for the first time, raise your hand. Forgive me. I'm about to get down. Anybody else? Yeah, there's a few. All right. See, when you get knocked down, you think God's over there in the stands because you've, you've messed up a little bit. And you get knocked down. And I've been knocked down. And you find yourself in a position of failure. You find yourself actually flat on your face. And it's at those moments where most of the time I'm thinking to myself, I have failed again. And, and I know you're with me. And if you're with me, how did I get down here? And then all of a sudden I hear the word pride. And then I realize what I've done. And I say, God, forgive me. But he's not over there chastising me. He's on the canvas with me. And he's the one whispering in my ear, David, be somebody and get up. I didn't call you to stay in your failures. I've created it to be a temporary address that you can walk through and learn some things. But I want you to get up. Stand to your feet. Not you, but me. That's what he's telling me. Because this is what he tells Joshua at the end. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go. You mean, Pastor, if I saw a spider Thursday and I go in my kitchen this afternoon before sunsplash, he's going to be with me? Yes. He won't step on it for you, but he will empower your leg to get up and go like that. And you'll go, holy smoke, <laughs> I'm delivered. <laughs> Think about the thing that you're afraid of the most. Put it in your heart. And now think of facing that with God. While Amy leads us in a moment of worship.